Hi, Jen. Hi, Sarah. How are you? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm actually really, I'm very happy. I'm like, I, well, I mean, very happy. I don't know that I would go that. <laughs> Couple more days. That length, a few more days and ask me. But um, I'm really like, I'm at the super tail end of this book. So I'm like, just cr- like, I'm crashing it in the sense that like, I'm writing all the time. So it's always nice to say, like, I'm going to take a break and talk to Jen for 45 minutes and then go back to it. To go back to it, yeah. And then go back to it. So, yeah. let me introduce us. I'm going to do all the hard work tonight, Sarah. Oh, yeah. It, Jen's in charge today, you guys. <laughs> Welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. Yay. I'm Jen Reads Romance. I'm the Carcass Romance Correspondent, a big old loudmouth on Twitter, and someone who loves romance. Big old loudmouth everywhere, to be honest. It's true. And this is... <laughs> Sarah McLean. I write romance novels, and I read romance novels. Um, right now, I'm doing a little more of one and a little less of another. So, of the other. But, um... And uh, this is, yeah, this is our podcast. Yep. And we are, we apologize. Uh, we had said we were going to do a read along this week or a deep dive this week um, of one of the books that blooded me this year or this year. <laughs> in your life. Know. You guys, I can't take credit. I You cannot blame me for using all the wrong words in all the wrong order <laughs> on this episode. Um, this morning I went to get coffee and I was standing in the coffee shop and like completely like zombie mode. And suddenly I realized, like, someone standing directly next to me had said my name, like, six times. (laughs) And it was my daughter, like, another mom from my daughter's class. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, Anyway, so what was I saying, though? I was saying that, oh, waking up with the Duke. So, um, yeah, I it is a book that blooded me. And I think it is top five of my romance novels of all time. Um, but, and so we could have recorded without me rereading, but I don't think I would have been able to do it the justice that it deserves. So, um, you have a little bit of extra time. Yeah. Clubbers. We're going to get to it next. Yeah. But this week we're going to do something that requires more giggling and like, honestly, a whole lot less effort, which is we are going to tackle some AMA questions and then some real softball book recommendations like ones where i immediately was able to think of it and did not even have to like go past like the whatever is like right on the top of my brain um and most of these came from if you'll remember we did some um like kind of stump jen and sarah and uh episodes last winter like i guess before thanksgiving around thanksgiving of last year Mm -hmm. and um we are essentially there's some like leftover questions in the slide deck and so yeah we got so many yeah and a lot of them we're not gonna get to like a lot of them were like enemies to lovers and we're just gonna let you like google that (laughs) yeah we're actually we discovered that we're really bad at that yeah because it's really hard when the trope is really broad like Mm -hmm. enemies to lovers um it feels like there are so many directions to go in. Right. And I always end up recommending the same, like, five books because right. they are, in my mind, like... The best. The perfect example of that thing. Right. But then I feel like all we're really doing is repeating ourselves. Like, you all know that I think Sarah Mayberry's The Best Worst Mistake is one of the best sure. enemies to lovers ever. You all know we feel Naima Simone's uh, scoring off the field is the best like friends to lovers ever so the 
when you ask us like, oh, enemy slivers, it's very hard for me to like file away Sarah Mayberry and right. like find another. Find something new. Yeah. <laughs> Even though if you ask me like, I don't know, space romance with a light opera feel. <laughs> we'd be like, be like, bam. You should definitely read Robin Love It and this one's Enemies to Lovers. You know, yeah, <laughs> I, right. needs to, I need to back into the main trope. But we're mostly actually going to focus on like the AMA questions because those are just kind of fun and easy and, and just like us like, you know, bullshitting basically. Which just is like us, fun and easy. Fun and easy and full of bullshit. <laughs> That's us. So without further ado. Also, you know what, you guys? I just feel like these giggly episodes, if you haven't listened to the to the category romance <laughs> episode from last week, it is a ride. Um, but I feel like these giggly episodes are like just what Jen and I need right now as the world is like really yes. in chaos. Today is Brexit day. Today, uh, the president was not impeached and no. also like nobody seemed to care about listening to evidence either like sure What's there's evidence? just too much australia's on fire i keep thinking about our listeners in australia and like wanting to and like when we're not recording and and yeah. thinking, like oh i want to say something but like we are thinking of you jen and i are thinking of you all the time um there's just so much awful in the world yeah. right now and so we're gonna just i'm trying to figure out ways that we can just do giggly episodes for a little while and then we'll get back to the heavy stuff. Sure. But well, let's giggle a little, Sarah. Surely Jen and I will be on a rant sometime very <laughs> soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So here's a good one to start off with, Sarah. A big old softball coming right across home plate at you. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd love to hear your... I don't actually remember also necessarily who even asked us these questions, so I'm sorry. I'd love to hear your ideal movie cast for oh. one of your books or some of our favorite books. Oh. Obviously, it says Tom Hardy uh. is Derek Craven. <laughs> True. Here's a big secret, everybody. Tom Hardy is every one of Sarah's heroes. <laughs> who else would we cast? Maybe what we should do, Sarah, is ask you who you'd cast for Rune. <gasps> oh, right? Rune, Rune oh and Josie. That's a fun okay. one. So... All right. So I think Rune, like, oh, God, Rune. I actually think Rune is dark haired, but in my head, he's very blonde for some reason. Mm, interesting. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go like Nikolai Costa Waldau from Game of Thrones. Okay. Like big and handsome and with a cut jaw. Mm. And Josie, like, I don't know, like, who is that? Who's that? Um, the woman in um, <laughs> in the Avengers movies, the um, <laughs> Tessa. Oh, um, is oh, it the yeah. Avengers? The, <laughs> no, the one who plays the Valkyrie, like Thor yes, is the Valkyrie. Yes. Oh God, yes. I'm terrible with names. Her, <laughs> yes, she'd be great as jo as Josie. Oh, she would be a very right? good match for him. Sure, yeah. and the two of them, him just like. I don't know, but Nikolai Kostervaldo actually has Tessa been Thompson. My, like Tessa, Tessa Thompson. Thompson. Thank you. I don't. Yeah, we, this is actually not a softball question for me because I'm like I don't know that woman who did the thing. Sure. Um, but also I would say that um, Nikolai Kostervaldo is my headcanon for all Cressley Cole's like big blonde Slavic dudes too. Mm, okay. So, um. And for me, it's really interesting because now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like every Cressley hero is big and blonde for me. Interesting. Because I feel like I started with those big blonde Russians. Yeah, right. Sure. 
And then I went to the like big blonde Roth brothers. And then I think by that point I was like, well, this is just what That's who they into. are now. Yeah. So I recently watched The Witcher and <gasps> I have got to tell you, man. Henry Cavill, <laughs> I have newly cast in my head as Malcolm because his grunting oh, yeah. is just nice mm, choice. Mm, like, mm. yeah, somebody tweeted at me that they would like to see The Witcher, like that basically The Witcher is like um, Brazen and the Beast like <laughs> fanfic. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and I was like, sure, um, I'll accept it. Henry Cavill is somebody who like for a long time had like mayonnaise face to me in the sense that like, oh, yeah, I just couldn't like I couldn't see him. I feel this way about um, Chris Evans too. like just yeah. he's just I'm he's a blank generically handsome face. Right, like, white man. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like a mo- like a catalog model to <laughs> me. Right. Like fine. Like I like that sweater. It's kind of yeah. how I feel. I felt about them. <laughs> and then I watched The Witcher and I was like, oh, now I see this man now. Can I admit something? Because everyone has heard me say like a million times that I don't really watch TV. And and it's true. I don't. But I feel like because we podcast that I should be a little more versed in pop culture that's not like 15 years old. So I've been... <laughs> trying to like watch Aww. some tv so that i just don't sound like research. an idiot that's so great hard for me run for you <laughs> that's a good question right you're like let me talk about this new hot show that's on the netflix <laughs> i mean that's pretty accurate it's also <laughs> what led me to go to the eye doctor today because i don't really watch tv and so you know i was like oh i'm squinting at the tv and the doctor was like well don't you drive and i was like yeah but i do that every day i just don't think i noticed i don't have to see but then when i was like watching tv i was like oh i'm squinting and so now the witcher is gonna be real 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 clear she'll be nice that's good i okay. mean it's worth looking at oh in, hell yeah for high sure. definition. Mm. <laughs> oh. okay we're gonna definitely put in show notes that video that's just the him video grunting. of him just saying fucking grunting nice Fine. but we also if we're gonna do hunting uh, hunting videos grunting videos for parody we have to also include my video of tom <sighs> always 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 Sarah, um, always I, I have a question for our listeners have you all noticed what happens when one of us says tom hardy <laughs> for 18 months and we'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just pay attention. Okay. <laughs> if we could meet one current and one past author, I assume they mean dead, and have lunch or tea, who would they be and why? Well, I mean, Cressley Cole, I feel is <laughs> obviously that's the gimme on this for I don't me. Think, like, I'm like, I feel like it's like l- lunch or tea. I'm like, like boozing drinks. with Cressley no, Cole, like, right? I yeah, want to be in sure. a strip club with Cressley Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you I go. I feel like Cressley. Like, is part Valkyrie herself. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I just, that's what I want. Yeah. Um, no, I want... All that schlager at the bar Flakes of gold swimming my brain I want alcohol and Cressy Cole. <laughs> yeah. And I have to think about Dad. You go. Well, it's hard because, you know, one of the things is like romance is so young as a genre that yeah. like a lot of our favorite authors are like, thank God, still with us. So maybe they just need an uh, let's just change that to actually be like an author from our past. Someone we like grew up on. Joanna Lindsay. Yeah, you know, I, I know. Love, I'm really I had sort of always had this fantasy that someday I would send an email to Joanna Lindsay and say, like, I'd like to drive and meet you. Like, I'd like yeah. to come and take you to lunch and thank you. And. And I'd sort of 
always felt a little bit like one of the benefits to me having the career that I have would be that I would be able to send that email and not feel like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really sad when I, like the, when I heard the the news that she was, that she was dead, I thought to myself like, Oh, like I should have sent that email two years ago, you know, like that. Yeah. It was, it's a big disappointment to me. Um, Anyway, go. But so, yeah, somebody from my from our youth. Yeah, it's hard. Someone who bled. I don't know. I guess I'd say Julie Garwood. I feel like, you know, I really came up on Julie Garwood. Maybe I'd like to meet her. But I also feel like I don't know. It else. Can I just say as someone who's pretty like new to Romance Landia, I have met a lot of my heroes and I'm always trying to be cool. Like, stay cool, Yolanda. It's really. (laughs) I'm not sure I actually pull it off. It's hard. Like, I feel like. I, I mean, I, I do feel like really lucky that I have oh, been yeah. able to meet so many of the writers who I have loved. You know who I would really like to meet is Sandra Brown. Oh, God, yes. Because you have like aside from the fact we're going to read some Sandra Brown, well, a Sandra Brown book um, as part of this season. But aside from that, like the, the fact that she blooded me with those Texas books. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Slow Heat in Heaven and so many others. Uh, this. I would really like to meet her because I feel like she also is kind of a legend in publishing for having like broken out of romance into mainstream thrillers Mm -hmm. and getting the same treatment as men in thrillers and like getting the same treatment as men in like big genre fiction is a big deal like I, yeah. and i and she was really one of the first to do it's like her and katherine coulter and iris johansson all sort of did it at the same time and i would love to sit down with her or any of them really and say and like sort of say like tell me about that because mm-hmm. that feels like really cool and rebellious and and like awesome yeah, I would love to meet Sandra Brown. That'd be amazing. Okay, um, let's do a couple. This one's an interesting question, and it says, so um, this, uh, again, I'm sorry, I didn't write down names. I was, like, really trying to copy and paste. Okay, I've heard a number of romance, like, a lot of queer romance wrecks, but not as many that are FF. So um, are lesbian romances harder to find? And then are there any that we'd recommend? And I would say... Um, They are a little harder to find, not impossible. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that. I will try and dig up some really interesting threads about it. One, I'm going to actually talk about a book and then like a publisher, Adriana Herrera's. We've talked about Mangoes and Mistletoe and how much we like that, I think, on an episode. Um, But Bold Strokes Books has some really great authors and like just like really solid uh lesbian romance and one i'm going to talk about is called hooking up can we talk about bold strokes first like can we yeah sure why don't you do that yeah tell them um so bold strokes books is uh the publishing house owned and operated by radcliffe who is a lesbian who um if you we will link in show notes to her speech at the rita's last year yeah um, where she talked about her own history as a romance novelist and coming up through queer books as a reader and then discovering that there really wasn't space for her as a writer so mm-hmm. um this part she didn't talk very much about in that speech but she tried to sell her her female female books her ff books um to new york publishing houses and got nowhere yeah um and then ended up um 
ended up having like basically going and building a printing press like on her property. Yeah. Um, and and starting up starting a publishing house up up in the you know I think she lives up in the Berkshire somewhere, and mm-hmm. um, there's something really amazing about that and you know this is what you hear this story over and over and over again with with women with marginalized people with people who um who are not immediately welcome and accepted in traditional spaces that mm-hmm. they just sort of end up saying like well, fuck off and going and yeah. doing their own thing and that's what bold strokes is i'm sorry now you no no i'm glad you did so i would just say like first of all they're a really solid publisher like with a really great I don't know like they're just like it's it's everything I've ever read by them it's just like really well written it's really well edited it's like a good story so in particular I would say um two books I really liked one they're pretty different one is called Hooking Up by MJ Williams and it was like really kind of a fascinating romance because basically a woman named um Lee gets dumped by her like longtime lover and basically this lover's like look I'm just you're bad in bed it's not satisfying for me and Lee goes on this like journey of sort of self-discovery to like figure out like who she is and what she likes is this the one where she joins a gym no the gym person i don't know maybe i'm like i kind of no no no. you would remember she like no no and so anyway (laughs) she ends up essentially getting together eventually with her like best friend dylan but it's not right away. Like basically Dylan gives her the space to like, just like really explore her own sexuality. And so she goes through like all these hookups on page. And I was like, and I I remember reading it and really being like, you don't often see the sexual journey of a character on page because what we have to, you know, we've talked about this before in a romance, you're supposed to essentially like Boom, you fall, you meet this person, you fall in love, and then that, like, right. that's it like, for the you. The first person you meet is the hero. Yes. The first person you meet is the heroine. Yeah. And so, anyway, it was just like a really interesting, like, really, like a truly interesting romance that I really liked. And then Melissa Braden writes great <gasps> books for Bold Strokes, and she has written a whole series called Oh, The Seven Shores. And it's like about a bunch of women who live in a, like, a, the same apartment building, I think in like on a, in a California beach town and they're all really good too. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about, uh, we've talked about Tamsin Parker. Oh yeah, sure. Mm. Um, we've, yeah, she, her books are super hot. Nicola Davidson has written some historical female, female, um, or lesbian. Um, the, uh, Megan Mulry wrote a series that is about um, queer. It's just all it's maybe four books all about queer people in the Regency. Mm-hmm. And there is a lesbian book there. There's a lesbian book. Uh, Courtney Milan's written a lesbian uh, story. Uh, I think Alyssa Cole has written one, too. Um, in that once uh, ghosted, twice shy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. But I was thinking about in the. Um, uh, that Hamilton anthology. Oh, right. That's a good one, too. Sure. Um, anyway, but the one thing that I would say about um, why it feels so different. So I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this, actually, because in the wake of the RWA drama, um, some quotes came out um, and some video came out of Damon Swade talking about fem- like mm. queer um, lesbian romance as not being as valuable because it doesn't tackle the kind of alpha and it doesn't ta- tackle masculinity, which is what romance readers really want, which is 
nonsense. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just nonsensical. Um, and I think that there is something to talk about here. And I know I said I wasn't going to get like heavy. We were going to do a giggly episode, but like there's some conversation to be had here about internalized misogyny and the way yeah. we think about like what love is and how love presents and how sex presents between mm-hmm. um, two women versus a man and anything else right anybody or else um and it's a struggle for me i think a lot about this because um i want there to be more lesbian romance yeah and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why that wouldn't exist um so i always i whenever i can't quite wrap my head around like why doesn't that really exist yeah i always end up sort of checking the isms saying like yeah right sure is it possible this doesn't exist because of misogyny yeah. and i think um there are the benefit is that there are more and more and more yeah um, and i think it's like you know my thing always too is like buy the books you want to see in the world so like if this is what you want like get out there right olivia wait kj charles had big um ff romances last year and like it's just a you know we support them with our dollars and then there'll be more of them yeah um, while we're at it, I do just want to shout out the fact that Radcliffe still writes and yeah. she is remarkable and all of her books are about love between women. Um, her she I just read um, an erotica by her called All About Us. Um, and one of the heroines is a handyman. So Ooh, a handy like woman. A... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know what else is a really good one? God, what's that one? Vanessa North, Roller Girl? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a fabulous one. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. Also, that's another one. Somebody texted us uh, not long ago oh, and yeah. asked. Um, Someone with a While trans... we're on this subject, because that Roller Girl... Um, because that Roller Girl... But you mentioned Roller Girl, which is... Um, has a trans heroine um, in a lesbian relationship. And... I and she asked like trans she was looking for trans romance yeah. where trans fem, where it was a trans woman and a man and I could only think of one and that was Courtney Milan's hold, hold me right um and I'm putting this out there and to the wor- to you guys to the world if you can think of a of a romance that's trans female male um let us know yeah, hit us up somewhere so we can we, we can, can boost it, and so that I can send it back to um, this person who asked. I, I'm always oh. disappointed when someone asks me for a rec, and and we and can't I, come up with one, and I can I only know. come up with one. Like I always feel like I've di- I've failed. Yeah, well, okay. Later on, we're going to have a question where I actually went to an expert and there was the answer was zero. So we're going to talk about that at the end. Okay. Um, Sarah, would you rather be too hot or too cold for the rest of your life? (laughs) Well, I'm always cold. So I feel like that would just be normal. So I'm going to choose too cold. (laughs) Okay, sure. Definitely, yeah. yeah, Too hot is gross. Too hot is gross. Because you know why you can't you can always put on more clothes, but you can't always take more. That's clothes. right. You can always put on another sweater. That's what happens when you grow up in New England. You're like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, and your Chicago parents are like, we're not turning the heat up. Put on a sweater. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I, yeah, I, I like every time someone's like, I live in Phoenix. I'm just like, oh, bless you. That would be very hard for me to do. Okay. Um, 
Sarah. Okay, I'm going to do some of the A. Um, a. Oh, here's one that's. Uh, hold on, I'm doing this. Do we think steampunk will ever have a moment in romance? It's this person's favorite genre, but not enough books on the market to satisfy her cravings. Oh, I get it, man. Um, you know, there was. It felt like the Gail Carriger, Kristen Callahan. Yeah, there was like years, a moment. There was a moment. Jeannie Lynn. Gunpowder yeah, Alchemy. Jeannie Lynn, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there were some queer ones, like Heidi Cullinan wrote a queer one. That Clockwork, um, what was that? Clockwork Heart? Heart? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, Leanna Renee Hebert always wrote, she writes Gaslight Fantasy, which sort of edges into steampunk. But you're right. Like nobody, it's, I feel like that was the moment for Steampunk. Yeah. It was like, and, yeah, and it was partially because back. there was so much paranormal going on at that point. Right. Right. And so I think editors were just like, all right, yeah, well, we know vampire cell, we know werewolves sell, like, let's buy this steampunk stuff because it's weird too, like, and throw it out yeah. there and see what happens. Um, I agree with you. I wish there was more. I wish I could recommend something that was published in the last like three yeah. years, but I can't. Um, and I actually think we are – we've got to be – something has to be shifting in romance right now. Sure. Like, we got to be coming back around to it. We've been in a contemporary – Right, been, is ascendant what, for a ten, long time. We've been 10 yeah. years in contemporaries. It's got to switch. I agree. Ever since probably Fifty Shades. Yeah, which was 2010, yeah. 2011. Yeah, I think so. So I think – Right. We're – I mean, we're either, well, I mean, we're either disappearing or, (laughs) um, or we're moving towards something else. And maybe, I mean, I've been saying for a long time that I thought it would be romantic suspense or sci-fi. Yeah. Um, Neither of those seem to be like really doing what I expected them to do. Historical sort of always plugs away nicely, but it's, I'm ready for paranormal to come back, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was from Elaine from Seattle. She also wants to know about books that are the sexy version of Harry Potter with adult characters. And I have two words for you. It is an author's name, Alona Andrews. That's it. <laughs> you got to do burn for me. Yeah, but, but they're not that do, sexy. Um, listen, I know I get it. I get it. Uh, there's quite a few series. I just think maybe that's a good place to start. Okay, um, Sarah. Oh, this is a good one. How come there isn't enough flirting in romance? This is from uh, Rahani in Brunei. Flirting. Yeah. Meaning like everybody leaps into the sack too quickly. Maybe. Or just like more sexy banter. Because sexy banter is hard to write. I was just going to say that. I was like, sexy banter is hard to write. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Like, I think I think part of the joy of the best romances is that sexy banter is that when an author is really able to tackle that banter and make it bantery and make it like popcorn right like it yeah it just like it's just it's amazing and it goes so fast and then like suddenly they're kissing but they're also talking and like right it's so hot and and sexy and flirty and you just want to hang out with these people and watch them talk yeah that's hard it like, is hard it's hard that's to do not an easy one it's not an easy thing to write i think in my lifetime i've probably written like two books that were like that and it's also like it's so it's just you know yeah. it's harder Hard but also doom. i feel like um you know we talked about it on the managed episode there's yeah slow burn is tough it's tough um we have a couple questions similar from people who want to know <laughs> basically like how are we doing too much why do we have so many hide hu- side hustles and occupations and still have time to podcast and write books and do our jobs ma'am 
we don't fucking know either i'm like <laughs> but this is fun for us that's the it difference. is fun that's the difference yeah like, absolutely it's this doesn't feel like a side hustle yeah me. it this doesn't feels like i mean periodically i'm like ah oh, shit i gotta read that book <laughs> <laughs> um but then yeah. i'm reading the book and i'm like this is a pretty great side hustle <laughs> and then I, yeah exactly that's how i feel too that does not feel like work um this is not and i have said multiple times to jen that like the moment this starts to feel like work to either of us like it means it's time for it to end so um and sometimes and I, she says that to me and i'm like but that's not happening you know that right i love it <laughs> don't leave me sarah i know i feel i'm but we are like so as long as you hear us seeming happy on the episodes like we're here and happy and it is this is like fun social hour for us we yeah. would just be doing this like on the phone if we weren't doing it with you guys yeah absolutely via text Exactly. Okay. Um, here's a quick, I'm going to just do this one. It's uh, Raven from Humboldt would like uh, books with power outages. And you know who has a whole entire um, Harlequin Desire series? The newest Naima Simone. It's three books and it's about a power outage. Uh, and I don't remember, like Black Tie Billionaire might be one of them. And that is... Um, each each one of the books essentially is, starts in the same like power outage and Naima Simone is amazing. So you should just go ahead and do that. That's by the way, romance is amazing. Oh, I know. Totally. Like, I was like, sure. Black romance time. is with power outages. Done. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Easy. Okay. Um, Next time, ask us a hard question. I know. I'm like, <laughs> like enemies to lovers. And I'm frozen. I'm like, romance with power outage. Bam. Okay. Um, this same person actually had a question that I can answer, which is, it was really interesting, which is, what's the best way to get arcs or galleys, which are advanced reading copies, and stay on top of new release romances? Mm. So I would say, as this is something I spent a lot of time thinking about, um, one of them is that uh, the book queen now keeps a page on her blog and will link to it that has all of the upcoming romances. Um, and that is like a really good thing to keep an eye on. But if you are going to, tr if you're not already a reviewer, I mean, you have to like kind of have a place you're planning to review. And I know quite a few people might be like, are kind of always low key looking for reviewers. Um, you should go to NetGalley. I will um, make yourself a, a profile and I'll link to um, Estelle from Forever wrote a really interesting piece about kind of how to get started with like getting approved for galleys and arcs. And one of the things to know is on NetGalley, there's a, um, always a, a group of books that are um, essentially like now available. Right. I can't remember what the exact name is. And essentially anyone who clicks on those can get it. It's not one you have to be approved for. And that's like a really good way to get started with reviewing, because then you're essentially like you don't have to wait to get approved. And, you know, they that can be a little tricky. I still sometimes get turned down for things. Not as much anymore that I work for Kirkus. Um, and so like using the like available now and then like kind of getting your feet wet and talking about books on Goodreads and Twitter, um, that's kind of the way you do it and you just like work from there but when you get arcs i think you should have like a a system for keeping track of them i have a folder i have a couple collections on my kindle one is called arcs 
One is called Arcs Red and one is called Arcs Overdue. And basically every time I get an arc, I put it in that arcs like folder. And that way, if I'm looking at it, it's like everything that's there is something I should be reading. Once I read it, I put it in the red file. And then once it's clear that I've either like blown way past the date that it came out or that I started it, I'm not going to finish it. I just kind of move it to that like a, a like a done or like an arcs abandoned honestly like I don't I sometimes I don't get to everything but that way what's in my arcs collection is like the stuff that is still coming out and then if I open it I'll like just sort of pick something and read it so that's what I do it's also if I can add um just from the other side yeah I love it when people have get access to arcs and have access to arcs and read arcs and talk about them Um, you know, part of the thing to remember if you're getting into this game is that arcs are really for people who are going to talk about the books. Yeah. Um, so you're not required to review them well. You're not required to review every single arc that you get. Um, but publishers and authors do pay attention to like making sure that you are actually talking about the books at some point yeah. or posting to Goodreads or posting to Amazon or po- even if you're like if you don't have a blog or if you're not, you know, or you're talking about them on Twitter. Um, you know, we're always looking for smart, thoughtful um, readers who who have a platform. It doesn't have to be a huge platform, but a platform where they speak about romance novels thoughtfully. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I started off with basically, yeah, blogging for the book queen and, you know, look at me now. So, it, yeah, like you start small and you talk about books and you find your people. It, it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty amazing how that works. Okay, um, let's I'm going to do a couple other really quick recommendations. Again, ones that just came to me really fast. Um, Holly from Stratford, Ontario, wanted a book that's enemies to lovers, like hard enemies to lovers, alpha male t- style and throw a child into the mix somehow. And what I have for you is Wait For It by Molly O'Keefe. Um, it is pretty great, essentially. Um, and I really, really love this book, actually. I've reread it a couple times. Um, a woman named Tiffany has a couple of kids. Her ex-husband is a real dirtbag. He um, he's not really on page that much, but it's clear from her past that he was, like, abusive. And um, Blake is essentially his like i can't remember half brother or something it is her like essentially her brother-in-law and so this is like her husband's brother and they're estranged and he has just like tried to pay to get rid of her he doesn't want to hear her story he doesn't want anything to do with her and then he finds out that actually like he's been a real jerk to her so like the kids are in the picture and she's like why should i forgive you you're terrible and you come from this terrible family and they make out a lot in like limos and it's fucking amazing. There you go. <laughs> also, if you haven't read Lord of Scoundrels, go back and read Lord of Scoundrels and then listen to the episode. Yeah, for sure. So that's a really good one. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Sorry, looking for up. Oh, we just did that one. Um, oh, a book that made you literally laugh out loud. Okay, I have one I'm going to talk about. I don't know if Sarah will. She doesn't know any of these and her, you know, she's tired. I read I a have book. One. Okay. I mean, I'm not like a coma. I'm not comatose. You're not comatose. You're still Sarah. <laughs> Literally like- the lap before I die on my deathbed, someone will still will be able to say, hey, Sarah, can you write me a romance novel on whatever? And I'll be and like, I'll have it. I'll be like, yes. It'll be my last words. My last words will be Lord of Scoundrels. <laughs> 
Fair. Okay. I read a book last week that literally made me laugh out loud several times. It's called I Think I Might Love You by Christina C. Jones. And it starts off with... um, it's the Love Sisters trilogy, and this is the first one, and they're all, like, pretty short, like, kind of almost, like, novella length. And Jacqueline Love essentially is going – she her her she found out that her boyfriend essentially was, like, not just cheating on her, but that, like, was married. So she is just, like, flounces out of there, and she goes to her sister's apartment because her sister is, like, out of town, and she thinks it'll be free. And it turns out that she has – um the sister has sublet it to a, like a local veterinarian named Caden Davenport. And so <laughs> Jacqueline essentially like this naked man comes into the kitchen and she thinks that he's a robber and he thinks that she's a robber. And she like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding, like punches him in the face and kicks him in the nuts. And I don't know nice. what it says about me that I was cracking up the entire time. Like she is just like a really great character and he, and he is too. And like, I think what I loved is like, even though, you know, at that moment, she's really like kind of at her worst, right? Like it's like a terrible moment for her. She's just really like, yeah, this man did me wrong. And I just had to like be out there with myself. It was amazing. And several times in this book, I like laughed out loud funny and take everything back I've ever said about rom-coms being dead because it's fucking funny as hell. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is a huge pop. They should put that right on the cover. <laughs> that blurb. Um, okay. My pick is, you know who I think is real funny is Jenny Holiday. Oh God. Yes. I love Jenny. Holiday. Really, really funny. I loved every book in that bridesmaids behaving badly series. Same. Um, and my favorite of them was, uh, it's the second one, I think. It Takes Two. Is that the one where they compete and it's like <laughs> bachelor versus bachelorette party? Yeah, I think so. So funny. The heroine is, um, she is, uh, so the hero and the heroine are in the same wedding. And they, like, grew up together and they always kind of had crushes on, like, they had mm-hmm. crushes on each other but also kind of hated each other in that way that you, like, do when you're, you know, best friend's brother. She's, it's, sure. he's her best, so if you're a best friend's brother fan, he's her best friend's brother. Her best friend is getting married. Uh, the best friend is book one in the series, I think. Yeah. Right? So right. then there's, so anyway, so she, so they're home and she, like, the, the And they get into this, like, the wedding's happening, and he's running the bachelor party, and she's running the bachelorette party, and there's, like, a competition to, like, they basically bet each other, like, we who can throw the better party. And it's really, really funny and really fun and, like, sexy and, like, kind of enemies to lovers, but really friends to lovers. And, like, it's delightful. And I think Jenny is so talented. She has a new series coming out called The Mermaid. It literally just came out last week. The first one came out last week. And I haven't read it yet, but I will because I think she's great. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay. Um, Here's another quick recommendation. I'm not sure you're going to have one, but I do. It is real specific. It's someone looking for a heist plot. I know that's not your thing because like spies or whatever with a polyamorous romance. And I'm going to tell you you, what you just need to do is go to Katrina Jackson. And she has a a whole series called The Spies Who Loved Her, which is polyamorous and sort of has that like spy thing. And then a, a new book I have not read yet called Grand Theft NYE, like Grand Theft New Year's Eve. And I think that one probably has the heist i'm not sure it's polyamorous but katrina jackson's whole backlist is there for you it's literally like exactly what you want in life i know you don't read a lot of spies so i'm not it's a real specific one that happened uh 
Well, the polyamorous too. I mean that I I know I would not have been able to do that. I, that would have stumped me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't read spies. I, I mean, know I you do. Don't. I'll read a I'll read a heist novel for sure. sure. Like sure, but polyamorous um, and heist. I feel like Katrina yeah. Jackson is cornered the market. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Which you know that's a good market. That's a good quarter. I would like to be. I would like to visit that corner of mark of the market. It's a good one. <laughs> okay um sarah here's kind of one for you you had a couple people asking you like where do you get the inspiration for your novels oh god <laughs> um actually i okay so i plot my series all together so when i um so if you've read any of my books you know that i have written i guess now it's four series um and so when i when I take, when I go to my editor, I say like, this is the idea for the series. It's this many books. This is how the books lay out. These are who the characters are. And there's usually some overarching plot, like, mm -hmm. or at least something that's like driving the whole story forward. Like a, like in the casino series, it was like a question, like who is Chase, right? Or like right. in the, um, in the, uh, you know, or like in the Scandal and Scoundrel series, it was like I wanted to take modern celebrity scandals and I wanted to set them down in the Regency, which had basically invented celebrity scandal. And mm -hmm. then, you know, or whatever. Now I'm doing this like bare knuckle bastards thing, which um, where I knew the last book would be Ewan and Grace because mm -hmm. it's like bad brother and like the final the this like intense lost love refound, regained. Um mm -hmm. So, um, usually that's where the, the inspiration comes from. The seed of the whole idea of the series comes from some piece of inspiration. So, you know, the, it was celebrity scandals. Like I was watching, I mean, I can tell you straight up, I was watching the Lenny Kravitz, um, that Lenny Kravitz, like nip slip, <laughs> or dick slip. <laughs> sure. And I was like, God, I want to write this. Like I want to. You know, like I want to write mm -hmm. like these kinds of scandals um, and the Kardashians were really big right then. And um, Beyonce and Jay-Z, Solange had just punched Jay-Z in an elevator. And I was like, mm. oh, I could use all this and just like pack these books in with that. And then it was sort of like, well, then the characters come came like organically from those stories. Like what would make somebody want to punch their brother-in-law in a whatever? Mm -hmm. Um and then, so that's really, so the inspiration, or, you know, I, I really wanted to get out of ballrooms for this last yeah. series. I was, I was really tired of writing ballrooms. I wanted to write, like, dudes who got dirty and did work. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was, and I was in London, and I was in Covent Garden, and I was in a bar and a pub, and a man there told me that his grandfather, his great-grandfather had sold ice. Like that, like he'd come to America, he'd come to America, come to Britain and he lived in Covent Garden and he'd sold ice out of an ice cart. And I started getting really like, I was like, that's so interesting. What a weird. Yeah. Like what a weird thing, right? Like what a weird thing. But of course somebody sold ice like that. that of course that was a thing. Um, and then that, so the bare knuckle bastards were born. Wow. Um, that's yeah. a good story. Yeah. So. That's a good story. But awesome. every book, like every little weird thing that you see in a book of mine, it comes from somewhere. Like the whispering bench in uh, Wicked in the Where and and the Wallflower comes from a bench that's on the campus at Smith College. Like usually, I don't have any original ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've all got to come from somewhere. Sarah. <laughs> now, one of uh, several people had that question, but one of them was um, 
uh, Sama from Egypt, and they also wondered if there was a book out there with a Muslim hero and heroine that has explicit sex scenes not fade to black. And I could not think of one. So I did go ahead and I uh, sent a direct message to Farah um, Heron because she wrote a great book called... Um, the chai factor which is a great book you should check out um and i asked you know did did she know any and she said that she could not think of any um there are so few muslim romance writers and you know so it's already such a small pool and um and i and so that's just something we're gonna have to maybe hope comes to us in the future so you're having trouble finding it because we think it actually doesn't exist but if we are mistaken and Ferris is mistaken and you can think of a book where there are two Muslim characters and sex on the page, like, please let us know. Yeah. However you can, where there are a thousand ways to reach us, please let us know. And we'll um, obviously signal boost and we'll put it in a future podcast too. Awesome. Okay. Um, a couple more, Sarah. One is, uh, that one's kind of a big one. I was going to save that for last. Oh, okay. Wait, listen to this. We got a question from <laughs> J- Jackie in Elyria, Ohio, which is notable because I went to high school in Elyria, Ohio. What do you know? Do you know Jackie? I don't think so. Cause I, she has her Instagram handle and I looked at her and she looks younger than me. She can DM me and we're going to figure it out. Like, but Jackie, you and Jen. I know. Drinking the same water. Exactly. The romance we're, water out there in Elyria, Ohio. In Elyria, Ohio. Um, she, I, she has a request for a book I cannot answer right now. I'm going to think about it. A historical with a murder with a twist ending. I got nothing for you the right twist. now. Twist. I know. I'm like, it's too much. With a murder, too. Like, I mean, I have murder historicals for sure, for days. Sure. But twist endings. Yeah, let me think about that. Keep okay. going. And then she asked a question that I'm going to not answer but i'm talking about why so she said have you ever not liked a book that everyone else in romance landia oh loves? that's a hard question to answer it is a hard us. question to answer the yeah. answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> next, next scene <laughs> yeah it's, you know what yeah just hard to answer kiddo but there you go jackie hit me up next jackie, time i'm in cleveland no, i'm gonna I let you know like we've done jackie a disservice she's gonna I feel like we didn't answer either of her questions really okay then give her a murder historical all right. There is a murder historical. Um, Kelly Bowen wrote a book called Duke of My Heart, um, which is really, really awesome. Um, it begins uh, with that scene um, that sort of uh, essentially there's a dead body and um, it's a duke's sister. Like in her bedroom, there's a dead body, like some dead aristocrat, like an earl or somebody is dead up there. And there's like a big question. So the, and her brother, the Duke, the like crusty Duke is like, oh, shit, there's a dead body here. And someone's like, oh, no problem. Just call the heroine and she'll take care of it. Cool. And so because like he doesn't he cannot possibly have it. Um he can't like have it get out or she'll it's like she'll be ruined she's like 18 and just on the market and on at, like having her first season and like he has one job to get this girl married and like if somebody finds out that there was a dead earl in her bedroom during a <laughs> ball i think like and so the heroine gets like tapped at a ball to like come up and like clean up a dead body and then the whole story is like how did this dead body come to be and then how do they keep it from getting out well there you go so and kelly bowen is 
really great. She writes a great historical romance. Real solid. They're great. I would also like to recommend a Sarah McLean book called A Rogue by Any Other Name. We'll just move on from there. Wait, is there a dead body in that? They think there's a dead body. Isn't that the one where they think there's a dead body? Isn't that the one with... Did I write a dead body book? No. Oh, no good Duke. You don't even know. Okay, you don't know sorry. my backlist. What do you know? I know your backlist, but You're Sarah, fired. I don't know fucking titles. I'm another podcast host who knows my books. Oh, <laughs> um, you're thinking of No Good Duke Goes Unpunished, where the beginning of the yes. book begins. It, uh, the, I, I won't say much about it, but I will say that that book begins with the hero waking up in a pool of blood. Um, yes. Nobody, just lots and lots of blood. And it takes um, a while to uncover. And then right? chapter one, so that's prologue. And then chapter one, it's like, I don't know, years later, like 12 or 13 years later. And it becomes clear that he has been thought to have killed a woman the yeah. night before he woke up in the bed full of blood and lo and behold she is not dead so it's like so a, there's a twist she's there's your twist yeah it's chapter See? one twist but it's still a twist i yeah, guess I, I think it's gonna work okay <laughs> here's another recommendation this is really funny virgin heroes but hot from sarah wait aren't I really like a virgin hero. Jen doesn't like a virgin hero. I don't. I, really I make do. a joke about how this is like breaking. In, you all love to break in the ponies, but Conrad <laughs> and Naomi. Conrad and Naomi. Is Conrad a... Oh, he is. Of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he is. I'm sorry. I, I can't even believe <laughs> I started to ask that question. Conrad like, and Naomi, uh, that hot um, Kristen Callahan book with the virgin. Yeah, that's uh, that actually... This Sarah invoked that one when she oh, asked. The pierced, so, the pierced yes, football player. The hook, the, I don't remember which one that is. But what, it's the not hookup. the hookup. It's, it's like the hookup. <laughs> it, is, it is the game plan. Yes. Okay, for other people who don't know. Okay, uh, Nicola Davidson has a couple of these. Yep. One is, I think, To Tame a Wicked Widow. One is Joy to the Earl. Um, yes, Joy to the Earl, though. Is that the most recent one? I'm not sure. Because I'm pretty sure she that's... did just put out a Christmas a Christmas thing this past Christmas, and it you really needed to have read the whole series. Yeah. No, I don't think that. that was it. I think this was a standalone. I'm not. We'll double check and put it in show notes. And then, isn't loving the secret billionaire? Now that's interesting. That comes now. Then you have this sort of question of like, what is sex? Mm, well, sure. Because Always. I mean, I guess right. Like loving the se- yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> also um malcolm is a virgin oh yeah sure demon for, wait a second you don't like virgin heroes and your favorite iid is demon from the dark but that's Jen, not what i like about him wait we never did a final episode of iid where we talked about whether our favorites had changed well i mean that's mine because, obviously didn't oh, that's because we thought monroe was coming i know we really did we're ready someone's ama was like where's cressley I don't know, waiting at a bar for us somewhere, my friend. I know. I know. I don't know. I don't know where we don't know. We don't we wish we knew. Stop emailing us. <laughs> oh, wait, she's got a few of them because then Thronos too. No, Thronos Thronos is Thanos yeah, is the other is. one. Thronos, of oh, course, is Thronos. a virgin. What a fucking jerk. You're not gonna recommend that to anybody. Nobody it's so wants to sex Thronos. I know. I know. It's all exactly. So I was like, anyway. I'm gonna leave that out. Do you have any other non-IAD, any other um, non-IAD virgin heroes? Yeah. So the game plan, like we said, 
Um, there is an Elizabeth Hoyt that I so Elizabeth Hoyt writes a really hot historical. Yeah, she does. Um, Maiden Lean, the pink one. <laughs> we'll put it in show I'm notes. Really you bad guys. at this. Hang on, hang on. Nobody Elizabeth is surprised Hoyt. by this. <laughs> Maiden Lane, the pink one. I wonder what happens if I Google that. Well, Maiden Lane began with the gray one. <laughs> sure. <And> then... <laughs> sure. I bet um, there's like on. a Goodreads list, friends. I bet there is. Um, actually, look at this. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like Maiden Lane. Actually, they rejacketed that first one. It's not gray anymore. Yeah, um, it's like it's 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 more like the that. pink one is called Thief of Shadows. There oh yeah and it's and the um and he is like his name is winter Makepeace, the hero he's like <gasps> real pure i've read this one mm-hmm. there's a really hokin smoking hot blowjob in this one yeah he's like a headmaster of an orphanage it's not gross though he's not like it's, she's not no. a student she's not it's in fine the, yeah. in the orphanage um and he but he moonlights as like he's sort of like a batman figure he moonlights as the ghost of st giles um, and then he gets hurt and rescued by a, an aristocrat named uh, Lady Isabel Beckenhall. Sure. No, I'm just reading the back cover coffee. But he is a virgin and he's like a uptight, stuffy virgin. But uh, Elizabeth Hoyt knows how to sex sex up a virgin. OK, those, I feel those are good, solid recommendations. Good. OK, we did it. All right. Don't read Dark Sky, though, first. Yeah, no. Read any of the others. All right. A couple more, and then we're going to wrap up. These are just like AMAs. So um, Emily from Cincinnati wants to know if we discuss romance novels with our offspring, and if yes, how? Well, my offspring is six, (laughs) and she, we do talk about romance novels because I write them for a living. So um, she knows that I write books about people falling in love. And she knows that there is kissing in them because she can see the inside covers. Mm-hmm. And often she looks at the inside covers and goes <laughs> and like <laughs> will like comment. Like she'll be like, oh, he likes her a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. And then um, so we haven't really like talked about the sex parts of them. Mm. Um, but she definitely gets it. And sometimes she says, like, what's your book about? And then I sort of try to explain it to her. This is a hard thing for you and in Grace because their whole book is about, like, groveling, sure. which is uh-huh. not a concept that six-year-olds understand. Um, but I will say this. I will tell a brief story about um, about three weeks ago, maybe longer, maybe four or five weeks ago, uh, I sat with her and we watched the Kira Knightley, um, Matthew McFadden, uh, Pride and Prejudice together Mm. and i was like i don't know how this is gonna go like the language is so old-fashioned and like i don't know if she's gonna get it and she was like really really into it (laughs) and And you were like there's this scene where the like sun is coming up over so like he's coming he's walking through the fields and um no there's a scene in the rain where he proposes and she's like fuck off and they're like so close together and they're almost kissing and they're wet and he's so like beautiful and she's so beautiful and my daughter goes she's just staring to like any of you who've ever been around six-year-olds know that they're like she's staring at the at the tv and she goes without even looking at me like nothing she goes kiss 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 (laughs) and you're like one of us my work is done yeah that's (laughs) amazing later he's walking there's that famous scene where he's walking across the field and it's like 
dawn and like foggy and like there's mist everywhere and she's walk and he comes up over the hill and he's walking toward Elizabeth and my daughter goes oh he's handsome (laughs) oh my god I love this you have succeeded in a way that I failed my son is 16 and a half and even though I call him little romance here for our purposes he is not interested at all and I have um, romance novels pretty much all over the house and I keep hoping that he will like pick one up and I'll find one in his room and that does not seem to happen or that he'll pick them up and take them to his friends at school and that does not seem to have happened so I'm real disappointed in him if we can be honest and then um, here's <laughs> a funny story though never looked at any of them do you think he's never read I don't uh, know. He's also not a big reader. I failed in a lot of ways. However, I, I feel like he'd be like, I feel like peak, but no, I got it. He'll go on. He's a, he's funny. So listen, this is a good story though. Sometimes though, when I'm, I'm in, I do show notes and sometimes when I'm really crushed for time, I make him listen. Like we listen on the way home from school. Cause I drive him home from school. He goes to the school where I work and then I make him, I'll be like, write this down so that I'll remember it for show notes. So he has listened to the podcast before it, like when I forced him to, and most famously when we had Joanna Shoop on and she kind of went on about how she did some research about whether or not you could have full penetrative sex in a carriage. He Bless was with me in the Joanna. car. <laughs> and Sarah. I love this. I, I love thought this so he was much. going to actually die. Like I thought he was like literally <laughs> going to throw himself out of a moving car. And were you like, this is history. This is I history. will <laughs> never forget. We're at the corner of Lake Park and Hyde Park Boulevard. And I swear to God, he was just like, well, cause she was also like, I read, I watched a lot of porn. <laughs> <laughs> so, which yeah. I do imagine is tough for a kid out of, um, he's a junior in high school and will be shortly writing his college, right? Uh, like, you know, entrance, like whatever essays. And I'm pretty convinced that he's going to write an entire essay about how horrified he is at his mother's side gig. <laughs> you know what saving up money for therapy it's all really good yeah and also but truthfully like as an aside as a serious aside i think that if you have access to children who are in at an age where they're starting to think about sex and they're not learning about sex yeah. in like really great ways at school and like frankly no public school in america is teaching sex mm-hmm. well enough right right um Consent is such a huge problem. There's a rampant problem with STIs in public high schools. Um, And I just think like all of these books, what romance novels do teach kids um, is about consent. They teach kids about pleasure. They teach kids about respect. Yeah. Um, They teach kids about partnership. And these are all things that, um, frankly, all kids – should know about and girls especially should know that they there are there should be expectations about what happens during sex yeah and for me growing up as you know i was incredibly young when i started reading these books and i really i believe i expected more from my partners for my whole life because of them yeah yeah also (sighs) my god do better american public schools teach your kids and teach your kids about stis oh my god no kidding right Okay, here's a fun one to, well, maybe one more recommendation, one more to end with, like an AMA. AMA. So, okay, this one's great. Very on brand for me. 
right. This is the equal and opposite reaction to the to the grovel. Um, Amelia from Seattle says the scene that blooded me was too hot to handle by Victoria Dahl when the heroine responds to a perfunctory grovel with the who do the fuck do you think I am? Give me all the books with the wronged main character demanding better. And I have a couple recommendations. I'll let Sarah think. I have three. One is Joanna Shoup's The Prince of Broadway, mm-hmm. where he must grovel several times in escalating fashion to really prove to Florence that he means it. And it's amazing. Um, one, you have to really be a Kristen Ashley fan, but Lady Luck has some hardcore groveling where she like sends him packing. And I have I love it. Um, but Kristen Ashley is a very... You have to, yeah, her writing style is real over the top and you'd have to like enjoy that. Um, and then a really good one is by uh, K. Blue, Where You Least Expect is a book about um, a Navy SEAL who moves in next door to a woman and they just like bicker a lot and then they end up having an affair and he does something. I can't even say it on here. It's real reprehensible. And he is kind of like, I can't say it because I don't want to ruin it. You would oh, never read the book if you knew okay. what it was. Right. And he. Um, and she like is so dignified about it and basically like sleeps up with him one more time and sends him packing the next morning and it's fucking great. And then mm-hmm. he has to do some more groveling. So those are three books I but yeah, The Prince of Broadway and where you least expect I would recommend to anyone. If you are already a Kristen Ashley fan, you could read Lady Luck, but she's a bit of a wild card for me. She's real over the top and super problematic in some ways, but you know, we all have our problematic faves. Um Okay, uh, so I have a couple. I have um, the first one is a secondary love story that I think just does groveling really beautifully. Um, the book is again the whole book does great. It's a Claypus, so of course it's great. But Lisa Claypus is again the magic has like sort of a long term grovel between the hero and heroine. Um, and then there's this beautiful secondary love story where the 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 um he the secondary hero is an alcoholic and the secondary heroine has been ruined like has, mm. and um they're they sort of have this like magical secondary romance that's in sort of in the shadows as the first romance is happening and at some point he sort of says to her he what i love about this it's sort of the gra- the the what I think you're asking for is the recognition of the hero that he must do better. Yeah. Like, and in that particular case, like she's basically ready to, she's like, I love you. And he's like, I'm not worthy of you. I will mm-hmm. not, I'm, I need to get worthy of you. And when I'm worthy of you, I'm coming back for you. And it's hot as mm. fuck. And like my greatest sadness about that, I love everything about this book, but like my biggest sadness about this book is that those two like had a secondary love story and not like their own book because it's yeah. so intense. Um, so worth worth reading. Um, Susan Elizabeth Phillips does a great like kind of her heroines are always so pissed off at the heroes for oh, all yeah, sorts sure. of reasons so um we're going to talk about nobody's baby but mine on the podcast so i don't want to give too much away but that grovel's really great and that's another example of somewhere where like she the heroine sort of like is trying and really trying and trying and then the hero kind of does like just never acknowledges how hard she's worked yeah um and ultimately has to like figure his shit out yeah um, i like i love that i love it when they have they are left my favorite moment is when heroes are left alone 
Yeah. And they're like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> How do I Smash survive? patriarchy, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's all um, really But you good. know, this is really hard. Jen wrote a piece uh, for, I forget where you wrote that for, um, on groveling. Yeah. And- it's just on my blog. I'll link to it. Yeah, I think grovels are really tough. Like, uh, speaking as somebody who, like, has written her fair share of them, like, because the reader has to know, has to really believe that everybody's been wronged. Yeah. You know, and they have to believe that, like, the and then they have to believe that the apology fits the crime. Um, you know, McReeve, we talk about all to also since we're doing IAD. So many of you have not listened to the first season of the podcast. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and I get it. I get it. But there are almost all of these tropes exist also in IAD because yeah, it's for a thousand sure. books long. Of course, it's got it all. Okay, this one, actually, I'm going to read it. I don't know if we really want to tackle this one. It's really big. So I'll just read it and we can decide. And if not, I can give you a softball. Where do you guys see the future of the genre going? Big question. So take it however you want. Inclusion, range of subgenres, writing styles, marketing. That feels too big right now. I don't want to talk about that. You know what? Let's do a whole episode on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sarah, here's a couple of real quick lightning round ones for us as we go off. This one's really Lindsay from Indianapolis wants to know, do you have a favorite museum you visited while researching your books? Um, I, yeah. I mean, I love the, I love the museum of London. I love the foundling hospital. I love, um, the there's a the Soames Museum is if you're ever in London like the Soames Museum is bonkers it's basically like a regency it's a it's a house that was owned by a dude in the regency and it's just like filled every inch of wall space is covered in regency art every inch of floor space is covered in regency like stuff furniture um I love all of that stuff and um but my favorite museum in london is actually the library the british library has oh, cool. one of the most magnificent standing exhibitions of any museum of anywhere in the world in my opinion um and it includes like jane austen's writing desk and the original folios of shakespeare and the original Gu- gutenberg bible and you know tons of and like Many, many Lennon McCartney original, Mm. you know, documents. It's like a really remarkable history of culture, written culture in in um, in England. And then also on top of it, um, the collection there is remarkable. I go there once a year to research. In fact, I'm going at the end of March. Yay. So fun. I do not research books, but I can I tell you a funny like museum story to wrap up? Um, well, I also like the Museum of Sex in New York City. Oh, sure. But we've talked about that, I think, here. You have. Um, I live in Chicago now, and we have lots of amazing museums, and the Art Institute is actually spectacular if you just, like, uh, like, I don't know. Like, it's really fun to live in a place where you just, like, drop into a museum for, like, five seconds. The Mexican Museum of Art is also amazing. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff. But I grew up in Cleveland, O'Leary, Ohio, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there. And if you have a chance to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it is actually really cool. And one of my favorite exhibits when I was there once was it was, it was all about the Beatles and they had John Lennon's report cards. And nice. I'm going to tell you, as you all know, in my real life, I'm a teacher and, you know, 
these report cards were literally, I was like, if I wrote something like this on a report card, I would get fired. It was literally like, well, Johnny's a fucking idiot. It didn't say fucking, but it pretty much was like (laughs) this, this jail never account to anything. I mean, people were ruthless, but just like the costumes that they wear on stage and like, Mm -hmm. and like often they'll actually like sort of put like a whole group of things together and just like seeing the way that, um, like all, like, I don't know. So if you, like anytime you have a chance to go, anytime you're somewhere and you have a chance to go to a museum, that's just like really cool. I don't know. Like the rock and roll of fame is like a really fun place to visit. And Cleveland's like a great, like you can just go for a weekend and you know, like go to the rock and roll of fame and eat at a cool restaurant and see the Lake Erie. And there you go. Bam. Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Um, also the other piece of advice that I have for museums, cause I know that a lot of people when they travel, they are like, I don't want to spend a lot of time. I don't want to yeah. waste a day in a museum. Right. You don't have to waste a whole day. No, of like course not. I'm famous for like taking somebody to London or like meeting somebody in London and being like, all right, we're going to go to the British museum. We're going to go to the British museum just to see, right. Like the Rosetta stone and right. You know, whatever this other thing. Um, We're going to go to the Met, but we're going to go to the Met explicitly to see, you know, the Van Gogh or the Monet. And like the – and you know what? That's okay. And a lot of museums – certainly in Europe, almost all museums are free. Yeah. Um, Here, it's less – that's unfortunately not the case. But like the Met is pay-as-you-go. Yeah. Um, And so you can. You can just go in, like get get online, see what the cool things are that you know you want to see. Go in. Do it fast. Just go for a little bit. Right. Go have lunch. Like nobody – Nobody is expecting you to waste a whole day. I'm giving you permission to not. Right. Um, Another really cool, like super awesome place is in Houston. You can go to a place called the Rothko Chapel, which is not really a museum, but they have these huge Mark Rothkos, which if you've seen them in pictures, you're like, whatever. It's just like a solid color. It doesn't feel like anything. But the Rothko Chapel has essentially these like quiet rooms with Rothkos on the walls and you just sit there and like it's so meditative oh, and it really nice. was like yeah. one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in an art museum. And when I lived in Houston, when I did Teach for America, it was literally like a couple blocks away from my house. Nice. And so, you know, just like check out the like cool ones, the weird ones, the tiny little ones. Yeah. Like, you can see some really cool stuff at a cool yep. museum. If you're ever in Boston, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum is the location of one of the biggest unsolved uh, art heists ever in the history of the world and um somebody stole like a a bunch of people took a painting out of there in the middle of the night no one knows how they did it no one knows what happened to that painting it's just gone there's a great documentary about it but also if you go to the Gardner museum which is tiny wee like it takes you 45 minutes at most to see the whole collection um they the 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 paintings frame remains on the wall and oh. it will remain on the wall until the painting is recovered. Possibly never. Very so, like, cool. Museums are cool. And they don't have to be like weird. Museums and are wonky. cool. Yeah, they don't have to be weird and wonky. They just like, you don't have to feel like you have to look at every single. My husband likes to go to a museum and look at every single fucking painting on the wall. And it's like, <laughs> I, you know, no, I'm just going to go look at the stuff I like. I'll see you in the, you know, courtyard. all right everybody have a great week we'll see you you. next time when Uh, we do see you next time sarah's book draft will be done oh my god imagine that everyone imagine that then begins the true anxiety of all of you reading it (laughs) we'll be waking up with the duke everyone
Unbalanced Mates. This is Lynn from Malibu, California. And the book The Blood in Me was Keegan Brady by Katherine Anderson. I read this book a long time ago, many times, and haven't read it in a while since because I'm afraid it won't hold up. But the basic premise is there is a young lady named Caitlin O'Shaughnessy who is in a tough situation and all she has is her brother to love and you guys they grew up doing taffy pulls and other kinds of things like that so they have this very tight bond as you might imagine but her brother's become something of a wastrel but she's going to defend him and due to her brother's actions she comes in contact with a man named Ace and as his uh, name would imply, he is a tough guy, and he's had a tragic backstory as well. I won't go into it. You can read it for yourself. But in a case of uh, mistaken pride, Ace winds up having to marry Caitlin, and he brings her to his home. And he lives in with her brothers, and she's determined to hate him because he's put her in this terrible situation. But through the antics of her cat shedding on his black outfit and her night blindness and something, oh, I just die when I think about it, chocolate for Caitlin, I, they, of course, come to love one another. And it will bleed you, too, I'm sure of it. So, Keegan's Lady, Catherine Anderson, you have to read it. Thanks, and love the podcast. Bye-bye.